Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. What is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. How do you give feedback to an all-star? How do you help her level up? Would you be confident walking into that conversation? Maybe a bit scared? Self-conscious? What if there was something actually challenging to share and the all-star teacher needed to hear it, but you were worried about her ego or how that note might land or how it would impact the culture of your building? But those are all fears. What if you delivered feedback with candor and compassion and that all-star teacher then looked at you and said, thank you so much. That's the first time I've received useful feedback. We'll start with that story first during this conversation with Dr. Joseph Jones and Dr. TJ Vary. I'm so honored that I had the creative minds behind the Schoolhouse 302 blog and podcast and the authors of the new book, Candid and Compassionate Feedback, Transforming Everyday Practice in Schools. You're really going to enjoy this show. So, Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take some time to thank our show sponsors. If you're waiting for your district to develop you, don't hold your breath. What would you be able to accomplish if you poured jet fuel on your leadership development? Rob, a principal in North Carolina, had this to say about his mastermind experience. I have found myself trying more things because I know that I have the support from other amazing school leaders to help guide me through if I get stuck. Turn your dreams into reality and level up your leadership. Apply to the mastermind today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. The Better Leaders Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, which increases student active engagement and participation and reduces classroom management issues. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. The Better Leaders Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. Using artificial intelligence, the TeachFX app enables instructional leaders to coach more teachers more often and more effectively. Learn how and get a special offer by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Hey, Ruckus Maker, we're here with expert coach, Dr. Kelly Crane. And during this feature, she shares a very practical tip that you can apply today to level up your leadership. So Kelly, what do you have for us? Well, Danny, we often encounter the angry parent, whether in person or on the phone. So the advice is to direct them back to the teacher first. Ask them if they've talked to the teacher. And if they have talked to the teacher, you need to let them know that you need time to talk with the teacher and see what's going on. If they have not talked to the teacher, you have got to always direct them back to the teacher. That is so important. The teacher is the front line the one dealing with the situation. And, it, and it's just a very important part of dealing with angry parents. Well, why does that organizational hierarchy matter, right? You're, you're the leader, you're the principal, you can take care of the problem. 
So why say parent, angry parent, go to the teacher first? Well, 99% of the time, it's going to be resolved at that level because they've just never really talked to the teacher. And the teacher is going to be able to share with them some information. And that will help you as the principal that it won't bombard your time and it won't be a fire that you think you're having to put out every day. So you just make sure that they go to the teacher first and it will be resolved most of the time. I think it's um, empowering as well, right? Teachers might not like it in the moment, but over time, I think that adds a lot of respect and trust to what you do uh, because you're allowing them to to lead and to solve those challenges. Uh, nobody likes going to the principal's office, whether you're a student or a teacher, right? I think that definitely gives them an ability to to step up and, and solve problems that they may have created or, or maybe Maybe it's all invented in the parents' head. Either way, it gives them that opportunity. Absolutely. And I think it's just a healthy, stress-free way to kind of deal with everything you have to deal with as a principal and just have them go to that teacher first. And eventually, it will become just a trained portion of, of how you deal with parents. And parents will start to know that they need to go to the teacher first. And it protects your time as principal. So allows you to do other things that you would be bogged down by if you were handling all the problems. Hey, listen, Dr. Kelly Crane is launching a fifth mastermind cohort uh, at Better Leaders, Better Schools. And real quick, listen, if if you already have these things, you definitely should not, not join the mastermind. If District PD is meeting your needs, don't join the mastermind. If you're on a professional growth plan, we feel you. We're sorry, but probably the mastermind is not for you. If you're doing the hard work already of addressing your blind spots and leveling up, the mastermind is not for you. If Twitter chats are deep enough professional development, mastermind's not for you. And if you already have at least a minimum of five other leaders that you could call in an emergency, not because they're in your phone contacts, right? But you could be yourself, let them know exactly what happened, and they're still going to love you even through your challenges and how you've made mistakes, then the mastermind's not for you. But if you don't have those things, we want to see your application and you could apply at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. And Ruckus Maker, we hope to see your application and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Dr. Joseph Jones is the Director of Assessment and Accountability in the Newcastle County Vocational Technical School District. Dr. T.J. Berry is the Assistant Superintendent of Secondary Schools and District Operations in the Apoquinamink School District. Dr. Jones and Dr. Berry are co-authors of the new book, Candid and Compassionate Feedback, Transforming Everyday Practice in Schools. You can read their longer bios on the blog. Joe and T.J., welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate it. So you both assert that we are trapped in a circle of nice. And in order to break free from this, you say we should share candid and compassionate feedback. One principal you worked with experienced great results doing so. What's her story? Yeah, so we love the story, uh, Danny. Thanks for kicking off with that. We love the story of, um, of a principal we had in one of our induction programs. Her name's Tammy McDermott, and she gave us permission to use her name on the podcast, which is awesome. And, and she was able to call us over and just say, hey, you know, as a new principal and somebody who's trying to use the, the candor and compassionate feedback, uh, a model, 
you know, she, she really wanted to give great feedback through one of her first observations. And she called us over and she said, you know, she was really nervous and she scheduled, scheduled her first observation. She picked the, the teacher of the year to do that with because she felt like that would be an easier go, a place to start, somebody who could accept her feedback and somebody where she thought she'd see a great lesson. In. And she just had a lot of, of, of awesome feedback for us in terms of um, she got through her post-observation conference and at the end of the post-observation conference, after she gave some, some both praise and critical feedback to the teacher, the teacher in closing said, you know, this is the best, most direct and useful feedback that I've gotten since I was a, a student teacher. And so that made us feel really good in terms of, of the models that we provide in the book, but also that it's translated into practice for somebody who's a new assistant principal and just wants to do right by teachers to help them grow and to help them uh, to uh, get better in the classroom. So it's a cool story and we like to share it. And we thank Tammy for, for allowing us to, um, to share that today. And what are some misconceptions you see about candid feedback? Danny, I'll, I'll take that one. Very often when we talk about candor, it's associated immediately with being rude. And we don't really live in a frank society. You know, most people sugarcoat things, tend to be flowery. We want to be pleasant. We want to deliver news in the, in the sandwich of praise, little tough message, and then some praise. And, you know, unfortunately, we often miss the mark in order to help people grow, to help them improve because we sugarcoat things. So the misconception is that in order for you to deliver a tough message, you know, and connect with those you're trying to improve, you have to somehow lack candor or lack frankness and lack directness because it's associated, unfortunately, with being rude. And we, we try to really get rid of that notion in any way, shape, or form. Candor actually is the, the blend with compassion that we're trying to get you to the best you to improve student achievement, to get students where they need to be. Um, and there's just a way going about it. So in our society, though, in our world, um, we tend to associate people, though, that are candid with being, being, you know, we don't want to be around rude, et cetera. And that's not what we're saying here. We believe you can deliver a very difficult message with tact, with grace, that still expresses exactly where you need to go. Um, and that's where we blend those two worlds. Appreciate you sharing that. You know that I've been uh, living abroad here for the last couple of years. And exactly what you both are talking about hit me in my face. Living in Belgium and then the Netherlands, both cultures, especially the Dutch, they are very to the point and very direct. Um, I'm also coaching for the Alt MBA right now, and I work with uh, the UK group and Central Europe group, and we have a few Dutch students. And it was just interesting that she sees sort of the worldview of a program built by Americans, where we use a lot of emojis, everything's amazing and awesome and nice, and we're so excited that you're here. And she's like, you know, why don't I just want you to tell me how to improve, like cut right to it. And it was great because she gave us and asked questions that were so specific. We can give her exactly uh, what she needed, but you're so right. Like that, that isn't how we uh, naturally 
are raised to give feedback, but every culture is also uh, not like that. So I'm really connecting with that point that you shared there. Thank you. Yeah, we, we certainly don't want to hurt people's feelings. And that at times prevents us from wanting to be direct. However, we have no problem in the educational world being direct with students and telling them precisely where we want them to go because it's all couched in the idea that we're helping them improve and get better. When we take on the same mentality for our teachers and where we're trying to drive achievement with them, then we have no problem being candid and direct as well. And then you bring up a great point. People in the end appreciate it. They actually appreciate you telling them, you know, because the candor also is very often very technical. It's specific. We're giving them clear ways on how they can improve. Um, it's not just being blunt and hurt. I, you know, we're not fans of even the word honesty. Let me be brutally honest. That means usually something bad is coming. You know, when we say candor, we're thinking we're going to deliver you with a level of technical expertise to help you improve. Thinking of uh, especially that that specific kind of feedback, I remember in our intro call, we talked about trust and building relationships and also having clear expectations. And I'm wondering if one of you guys can talk to that relationship between building uh, strong bonds and relationships with your staff and clear expectations. Yeah, I think that, I mean, one thing we talked about is just the cross-section between the relationships and the clear expectations. What we really try to put forth for our readers and, and for our followers is that trust is a byproduct of clear expectations. And that the idea that straight talk and confront reality and some of these things that we promote leaders to do, especially in their schools, well, promote as a leadership um, as a leadership strategy, uh, we tend to think the, to do those things after trust is built. But we really have found that um, that's another misconception is that the relationship is built on the clear expectations and that when we are able to speak clearly and technically and uh, develop the relationship through the reality of, 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 of any scenario that we are in, in schools and we can help other people to grow, the trust is, is spawns from that. And so I mean, sometimes we, we get this idea that we're going to come in and build relationships and be soft and be ambiguous and that trust is, is going to happen. And then all of a sudden, we're going to be able to tell people what we really think. And that's just a misconception. It's the, the relationship is, is, is far better when we have a, a firm ground on which to start it. I don't know if Joe wants to, to say anything else about that, but that's kind of the premise of the book. And, and we found that through evidence and through research, that that's how people respond in a true positive culture. And that's, that's a good explanation, TJ. I, I, the only thing I would add is sometimes that helps build the relationship is actually clear expectations. Uh, Jack Welch is famous for saying that no one should um, ever be uncertain on where they stand in the organization um, with their performance. And yet in education, you know, teachers might go by, you know, literally seven months without someone in their classroom and, or they have visitors and they get no feedback. Uh, it's a disservice to teachers. So I think when you're building relationships and you ground some of the, the relationships in the helps deliver 
the message that needs to be said because now you're tying it to your why and our purpose and the students. It's not personal. And the relationships are built upon what you're going to achieve. And we have found that people can rally behind that. And you know, they don't have a lot of the emotional cost, if you will, if they know exactly what's expected of them and they know exactly where we're heading as an organization. So just to make sure I, I got it right, one of those big ideas would be that instead of leading with the relationships and the trust in order to then be candid, shooting straight, straight talk, confronting reality in the beginning is actually what builds that trust. And then it probably uh, generates momentum from there um, as well. Uh, and then the other thing I heard is just the importance of vision, right? That we're headed in this direction, that people can get excited. Uh, they need to know, A, where they stand, but B, where the organization is, is going as well. You got it, Danny. That's spot on. That's exactly what we're promoting. Um, and, it, and it makes things go faster. So, I mean, this is just the idea of, we talk about school improvement, and this is a, a school improvement tactic, and feedback is essential. And uh, best practices are essential, but they don't work if we aren't willing to put our technical expertise on the line, achievement first, and uh, really confront reality. And when we have a a relationship with work and with each other that way, things go faster and trust and bonds grow stronger. What do we do when those best practices don't deliver the results we expect? Uh, I'll start off on this one. I'm sure TJ has some uh, thoughts around this. You know, I think we have to investigate why they're not working. We, we, uh, uh, TJ and I love this thought of perceptual illusion, which is that we have a belief that what we're doing is correct. And so where we have seen this is just as a term becomes far more common people then have, for some reason, a belief that they've mastered it. I I always go back to the work with Carol Dweck, Mindset, Angela Duckworth, even going back to Bandura and a lot of the work out of Penn with Martin Seligman. You know, these are think tanks around this idea of mindset. But in education, we'll have a tendency to hear something so often and slowly believe we're doing it right. And I think so, when we are not seeing the success that we want. And it's been proven that the practice works. It's a tried and true strategy. We have to look how we're implementing it. And we see this all the time, you know, especially within the athletic world. There are certain people that just swing a bat much better than others. And studying, you know, how they're doing it, you know, when they're swinging, how they're swinging, all the mechanics. You know, you may never swing a bat like Bryce Harper and hit a ball like Bryce Harper, but you can certainly improve by ensuring all those little details are done um, to the finest of ability. So it's looking back, really digging into how you're performing and like willing um, to make those changes. But it takes a lot of self-reflection. Just to add to that too, Danny, I think what Joe's talking about in, in, in this perceptual illusion is we've, we've clung to this term of best practices. Um, and we actually are very explicit when we say everyday practices, transforming everyday practices, because just because we use them 
doesn't mean they're best. And we think of things like walkthroughs, implementing professional learning communities, having a teacher leadership team, even curriculum review cycles. Those all sound like the best things to do in the whole wide world, but they don't work if we if we don't confront reality. They don't work if we don't uh, have a direct and uh, uh, candid cycle of feedback. They certainly don't work. We don't care for one another. And we're, we're, we're landing on two really important things that we want um, educators to uh, focus on. And one is precision with our strategies and our language. And the other is empowerment. Uh, our feedback for others is not about telling them what to do, but about empowering them to make decisions that are better for the future. So this is really, really important just to piggyback on some of the things that Joe was saying just now. Absolutely. And I want to pull on that thread of candid feedback and confronting reality. Uh, But first, we're going to take a pause here for a message from our sponsors. Better Leaders, Better Schools is proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher with the students, helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. Learn more and improve your students' executive functioning and non-cognitive skills at organizedbinder.com. Hey, Ruckus Maker. Imagine if every teacher in your school had a personal instructional coach. Well, today's show is sponsored by TeachFX, and that's exactly what they do. But don't take it from me. Listen to what some of the teachers who use TeachFX say. Really, for me, it's just that number crunching of trying to give my kids opportunity to talk. I like your your little bar there with the red, white, and blue spaces. Mm -hmm. I was looking at a classroom yesterday and and going, oh, there's a a big chunk of time that I spoke. That when I see red, blue, red, blue, I know that I'm I'm dialoguing with students. I'm answering questions. And all of a sudden, I see this big chunk of teacher talk, and I go, oh, okay. Learn all about TeachFX and get a special offer by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All right, and we're back with Dr. Joseph Jones and Dr. TJ Berry, and we're discussing their new incredible book, Candid and Compassionate Feedback, Transforming Everyday Practice in Schools. And I do want to continue pulling on that thread of confronting reality. What I heard last was a powerful mirror moment that I need to reflect on my own actions because what I'm doing might not actually be driving the results I want. What have you guys seen work in order to confront the reality within myself? It's hard to tell you that you have uh, something in your teeth, but sometimes you have a blinder on that, you know, you're not even willing to look into the mirror. Joe, you want to tackle that one first? Sure. You know, that's a, that's a tough one. We love the phrase. We actually uh, use it sometimes in our presentations and, and with those that we work is the accountability mirror. Most of us know um, the things we have to improve upon. It, it, I think at the end of the day, um, you have to journal, you have to reflect. I would make it specifically. So if we're talking about about specific tips, specific techniques. I think journaling and reflecting, you know, I picked up the five-minute journal a couple years ago listening to a Tim Ferriss blog or podcast, and that helped me because I'm not a journaler. So it forced me. Now I've gotten in the habit of doing some things. I think the other 
big technical tip is you need a mentor. And don't be afraid to reach out to somebody whom you may not even know and say, you know what, I like what you're doing. I see the results of your actions. Um, if you don't mind, I would like to meet up and, and have you as a mentor. It's, it's a, sometimes an uncomfortable question to ask people in our society. But I've, when I look back on my career, you know, those times that people have held up a mirror for me, when I've asked them specifically areas I need to change, it's hard to run away from that reality. Um, there's still work to be done, but you get a better picture of what needs to be done. And I found that to be very helpful. Yeah, Danny, I think that's something that's a through line for us is reading. I mean, we're big into the research and the podcasts and a lot of the literature and just having that mentor, but also all of the authors that we cite are our mentors, John Maxwell, Ken Blanchard, Brene Brown, Marshall Goldsmith. I mean, we're, we're big fans of, of the leadership genre. Um, and those are places where we can really see ourselves. A Lolly Daskal is a great book about leadership gaps and just understanding your own gaps. And seeing them in the literature is a first place to start. And then, like Joe said, having that mentor and holding that mirror up and trying to move yourself forward. But um, it is hard. I think the one thing that we really stress with leadership is uh, leaders is to have a leadership development plan for yourself. We're so focused, especially when we get to assistant principal, principal, director positions on helping others grow, that sometimes we lose the time in the day to help ourselves. So like Joe said, the five-minute journal... Um, meditation, reflection. You talk a lot about it in um, um, Better Leaders, Better Schools, Danny. So you know what we're talking about here in terms of just the personal growth strategies that that work. Absolutely. And, you know, the ruckus maker that's listening, if, if you need to just jump into a community with over 60 mentors ready to help you accelerate your leadership development, we welcome your application at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. Now, any practical tips, guys, in terms of that ruckus maker who is listening that wants to deliver the straight talk and confront reality with their staff? TJ, you want to take this one? Sure. I think we're not big fans of go slow at first, and we certainly do not advocate for what we call the excuser or the holder backer. We have our candor cancellations in the book and just the archetypes of people who um, and, and attributes that we all, traps that we all fall into when we're trying to be candid. But we do think that there's a preface and a way to enter into candid conversations, especially if you're in a culture. If you're a new leader, you can come in and set a different tone. But if you've been doing this a while, candid feedback, although it's not meant to, uh, it can hurt at first. So it's really important to say to the team, you know what? I want to confront reality here. Part of being specific with your language is being intentional and, and describing the intent that you have with what you're going to follow. And so to say, you know what, guys, it's time for us to confront reality about our SAT scores, or I want to look at some of our standardized assessments together, and we're really going to set some new expectations. That language that tells people today, we're really going to take a candid look at this because we care so much telling people how much you care and telling people that you're going to be candid is a first place to start. Um, and it also opens the door for others to say, you know what, we're in a cycle of feedback here. And that means that I can say what uh, is truly on my mind. And, and that's what breaks down one, you know, those cancellations, like the ambiguous or the holder backer or the excuser, like we said before. The only thing I would add to that is, um, and 
this is something TJ and I talk a lot about, which are just practical tips. You know, Danny, I think we got to remember the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So if we need to get somewhere, you know, we use um, backwards design modeling for lesson planning. It's really no different with a tough conversation and being direct and using candor. Think about where do you want to go? That go, that destination with that conversation is the point you're trying to get to. Then you just work out exactly what I have to say to get there the fastest. And so when we look at it, what do I want to experience at the end of this conversation? That's the backwards design. You know, what do I want to feel from this so I don't have conversation remorse that I didn't say something that needs to be said and also that I know the person, the teacher that I just spoke with is very clear about the expectations and how do I get there? And again, we're not talking about being rude. We're not talking about being so blunt that somebody walks out and, and feels like they just got hit in the face. We're just talking about very technical skills on saying, listen, I was just in your classroom doing a walkthrough. I experienced this. You know, I think the strategies we've been working on, this strategy would prove better. You know, and then, and then move from there and see how that conversation goes. But it is being very clear on what you're trying to achieve and then using the, the clearest language to get there. So we've talked a lot about candor, straight talk, confronting reality. Uh, where in all this do we help our people? develop and share their voice. Joe, you want to hit that one off? Yeah, I, Danny, that's a great question because I, I think in education, we do a nice job of giving people a voice. So th- I'm, I'm a little torn by this question on how do we give people voice? I mean, great principals have leadership teams. Um, they have teacher leaders that they develop. They believe in distributive leadership. Um, they have collaborative decision-making bodies, steering committees. What I have found very often is it's not that the forums and the areas aren't there. The space isn't there to give teachers voice and people voice. They often don't feel heard. And so I think principals have to really figure out, administrators have to figure out, you know, even if I'm going to give people the space to speak, do I really want to know what they have to say? And am I going to use that information? And so I think when you do that, that that helps more about giving people a voice, but then they also feel heard. And they should also be very clear on why they're giving information, why they're participating in the meeting, um, because there's nothing more frustrating than being part of a, um, a group, a meeting, a PLC, suggesting ideas, thinking that it's going to have a level of influence to only find out it was a waste of time. And that's where frustration lies. That's where people become disinterested in participating in groups and you get some of the animosity um, that grows and you hear, oh, well, there's a lack of communication. Um, So I think there needs to be also just a clear distinction between voice and them also feeling heard. Just a tip on that too, for those of us who are running leadership team meetings and giving a voice to teacher leaders. One thing Joe and I are a big fan of is actual leadership development. So we give teachers a leadership title. We make them in charge of a department or even a PLC. But um, if we don't spend time building the capacity of our leaders, 
then they probably aren't going to be able to lead in the way that we want them to. So if you think about a leadership team meeting, a lot of time the agenda um, is broken up into a discussion on the initiatives or the curriculum or the next best thing or, or something that's coming up that's really pressing. We don't spend enough time on actually capacity building. So what Joe and I tell our leaders is to develop a formula where 30 to 50% of any leadership team meeting is actually spent on developing the capacity of the people at that meeting to have a voice when they leave the meeting. Because if 30 to 50% of the time is not spent on capacity building, the rest of the time is wasted. Ruckus makers, I hope you're listening because TJ and Joe are just sharing so much incredible advice. I just want to uh, plus one those ideas, the fact that there is a distinction between voice and being heard. That is completely different thing. So Joe, thanks for uh, pointing that out. And then TJ's intentionality with leveling up his people at every opportunity when they meet together. I hope that you're doing that as well. Uh, now we're going to move into just sort of uh, the end of the podcast where I, I have some tried and true questions and would love to hear what is a resource that's helped you level up in the last three months? You know what levels us both up that we're on a lot of and, and, and really where we met you, Danny, is this Twitter. Just being on Twitter, developing that professional learning network, the personal learning network, the meeting new people, the, just the, the notion that there's thousands and millions of people connecting. And education has really found a platform on Twitter. And so if there's a resource that we can just promote, it's getting on Twitter and telling the story of your school and listening to others, following those resources. A mastermind is a great community and I don't think we would have found it without a platform like Twitter. Thanks, TJ. Joe, any resource or same for you, Twitter? Yeah, Twitter's a big one. I, we're also, TJ mentioned this a little bit, uh, we're big readers and so um, TJ is the one who originally introduced the book to me, but I'm currently reading and he needs no plug, but uh, Michael Fullan's Nuance and TJ is the first one to let me know about that. And um, I was fortunate enough to be on a call with, with Michael Fullan and some other individuals. But if you can somehow get into a network of experts and has, even if it's 20 minutes to listen to them, but TJ and I rely on reading and we try to make it also thematic and that's how our own blog works. So we'll cover a topic. And so that for that entire month, um, we really dig, dig deep into that topic to help us grow, um, which was really born out of uh, Ben Franklin's autobiography. So we try to be students of leadership, students of learning and students from one another. Every, every person we meet is an opportunity to learn. So this won't help for the uh, the podcast. I'll describe it. But you, you mentioned Ben Franklin. I'm curious if you guys keep like a common type book. And then, so I'm, I'm nerding out that you brought that up because I have these note cards <laughs> here, okay, which I learned from Ryan Holiday. And, you know, it's just, just for the ruckus maker that's listening so you can visualize this. Uh, after I've annotated a book, I do a couple of things. One I create my own personal table of contents. And I don't want to riff too long on this, but essentially I pull out what are the most important topics to me because it's different than the table of contents the author offers. And then I know how to get to these specific points quick, 
lightning fast. And then I review my annotations. And I'm always surprised, unaligned stuff that I think is gold while I'm doing it. And I review it and I'm like, this is garbage. Like, why, <laughs> why did I underline that? But there is gold within there. And when I find it, I write it on a note card. Uh, I make sure I cite it correctly and I put a topic on there as well. So for example, this one's failure. This is a quote from Warren Buffett. And he says, it's a learning process and mistakes made in one year after contribute to competence and success in succeeding years. And so if I write a blog post, maybe a tweet, maybe a book, or this podcast uh, conversation, I have themes of a common book back to Ben Franklin where I could pull that out. So is the original question was, is, is that where you're getting it? Uh, I kind of got a little nerdy about that, but I'm just curious. Danny, you can get as nerdy as you want on our video series, uh, YouTube. Um, we do a read this series where we recommend books. And at the end, we always recommend a tip because, you know, we, we try to, to take in so much literature, you know, a book a week, a, a few books a month. Um, and if you're not annotating them, like you said, then they can be, it can get lost really quick on volume, uh, uh, can be can be your enemy if you're not taking careful notes. So in our, our our hashtag read this series, we always recommend a tip. But those are tips that Joe and I use. I mean, we do have our own uh, notebooks. One thing I learned from Joe is like printed pages with lines on it. Um, and if that is uh, going to a meeting with it with me, it it actually has uh, L A Q at the top. And again, I learned this from Joe. Listen, ask questions. Um, and it's a way for me to um, keep my mouth shut, quite frankly, and learn from others as best I can. But we both keep written notebooks, and I'll, I can fill pages and pages. Um, maybe in a year, a few notebooks. Um, but but yeah, that annotations three by five card in the pocket. Any strategy that you can use to make make those notes. And I think your point about the fact that you go back and see something underlined. And you're thinking that wasn't as cool as I thought it was. Well, it was when you read it. Uh, <laughs> it was when you read it the first time. And, and that's the nugget right there is what was I feeling? Why was that important to me? I dog ear the bottom pages of all of my books to go back and read the pages that made most emotional sense to me uh, at the time. And, and, and yeah, there's sometimes the gold's not there it's someplace else, but it is a place to remember that nostalgia about where was I when I read this and why was that important to me then? I appreciate you uh, unpacking that. Thank you, TJ. So guys, if you could put a message on a school marquee across the globe for a day, what would the message read? That's tough. We, you know, There's so much going on in education. There's a lot of good work being done through out really the world, the globe, you know, I would love to have a message like, you know, come get to know us, you know, mentor me, you know, some way to bring the community in. Um, but at the end of the day, Dan, there's, a, there's a phenomenal quote by Maya Angelou that I think sums it up, that I think we get it out there, um, would really resonate with people. And it's just do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. And that just resonates. And I think for schools, that's what it's about. We're trying to get students and us to a level of competence, a level of understanding. But once we get there, you know, then you got to push even harder. You don't rest at that point. That's when you drive. And that's where growth, innovation, 
and really this whole cage busting mentality um, starts to happen. So that would be it, that quote from Maya. But that I struggle with that big time, one, one phrase or one message. TJ, do you have uh, something you'd like to put on the marquee? I agree with, I agree a lot with what Joe said. I mean, I think that the mentor piece is really important, something about help wanted, but not necessarily to fill the technical positions that we have, but rather to invite the community in. And I think we need to do a better job of making connections with the community. I think there are a lot of people who would love to help schools and just don't know how to get started. And there's a lot of schools that would love the help and just don't know how to reach out. And so somehow putting that on the marquee to say, look, our doors are open. And um, we need help with our kids. We need help with our programs. Um, Our teachers are experts, um, but we also need people in the classroom helping them to to gain the knowledge and the understanding of the outside world that we sometimes miss the target with on the inside of a school. So Joe's right about Maya Angelou. He's also right about just making those connections with the community. Well, Joe, TJ, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we've talked about today, Kim, both of you each share one thing you want that ruckus maker to remember. TJ, I'll take I'll take the first first go at this. Uh, you know, mine would be get to simple. You know, life is often uh, complex, but you know, for the ruckus maker, it's it's really your job to not make things complicated. So find the simplicity in situations and then trust your judgment and go with it. I, that, that would be my biggest takeaway. And that's a motto of ours at the Schoolhouse 302 and what TJ and I try to advocate and teach. Yeah, I think, um, I think one thing with precision, you can go faster. So if there's something to take away from today, and it is a bit of a piggyback on what Joe's saying, but with precision, you can go faster. We need to learn to lead better. We need to learn to grow faster. And um, I think that happens by not holding back. Just show up. That's the first step. Um, Tell people what you think. Um, And if you don't hold back and you make a mistake, just apologize. This thing about candor, I think one of the reasons we tiptoe around it is not that we don't have compassion. It's not that we don't care. It's that we're just so afraid that we're going to make a mistake, say something wrong. I'll have conversational remorse, something that Joe and I talk a lot about, you know, the regret that we have for not saying something we wish we said or saying something that we wish we didn't. Forget all that and just apologize and move forward. It's just better to show up and don't hold back. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.